This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Today by Arnold Furious, as fairly usual, Hello. and Ollie Court, which is Hello. particularly nice, because it's the first time all three of us have been on a recording in an absolute age, really. It's been about nine months, I think. The last time we were all here together, we were burying WWE, so, you know, that probably <laughs> suggests... Reporting on WWE. <laughs> Being, uh, yeah, <laughs> intellectually integral, uh, whatever the word is. Good journalists. I wouldn't go that far, but, you know, do, do, doing what we can, doing what we can. Um, and as is tradition for when all three of us are on the podcast now, um, this episode is highly going to be focused on lots of news because, you know, we haven't recorded in a little while and quite a lot of news has built up. And especially in this last week, uh, a lot of changes have happened. Uh, a lot of people leaving companies, a lot of people having to finish up with companies, uh, unions, etc, etc, etc. And Arn has been talking to a lot of people and has a lot of things to talk about. Uh, the unions one is the big one for me. That's that's what we're going to lead with, because in uh, professional wrestling, the boys have been kind of half-heartedly trying to unionise for the last 40 years and nothing has ever happened. And the difference here is that they've kind of attached themselves to an existing uh, union in equity uh, who seem quite happy to, uh, you know, take on the, the wrestlers uh, case, uh, which moving forward is going to result in uh, less wrestlers getting screwed around by dodgy promoters in, in the UK and, and hopefully uh, globally, Eventually, but the first thing to come out was the uh, the code of conduct agreement with uh, with Eve. Uh, and as soon as that happened uh, and it was announced, I was like, "Well, what does that even mean?" And I I got messaged by uh, Steve Duncan Rice, who is a, a regular listener of the the Brit Rest Roundtable, and also works for Equity. Uh, so he basically messaged me and said. Um, uh, do you want to know the details of this deal when it comes out? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, like, he's messaged me the details and said that, uh, uh, like, he's had this uh, relationship with Dan and Emily Reed for the last two years. Uh, he's always wanted to get uh, union recognition uh, within that promotion. And the, the difference maker recently has been that David Starr has started to be very... Uh, active in his desire to get um 
labour rights going in the, the British wrestling scene. And that's kind of what's pushed it forwards. Um, obviously, the reads are kind of into that as well. Uh, so we've got um, accident insurance cover for members. Uh, apparently, there's conversations have been had with insurance brokers about how pro wrestling is categorized, but it's they have been defined as entertainers rather than, I don't know, stuntmen. So that is uh, a good thing for them going forwards because it means they're more likely to get uh, the coverage they need. Um, it's basically the code of conduct has formalized what was already happening in EVE, but it's it allows uh, union recognition, union access. So EVE will continue to book talent as they have done before, but now there's a process involved, which means that uh, EVE... Uh, make their talent available. Uh, they have written terms and conditions once they've agreed the booking. Uh, the talent have the opportunity to negotiate as uh, neither party can impose terms on the other. This is this is big stuff. Um, it's important to note they will continue to be self-employed. Uh, once terms have been agreed, uh, Eve will issue the talent with a written contract which will summarise the booking details and covers items such as accommodation, transport and timings. Transport is a big one for me because in uh, in the past couple of years, we've seen several uh, nightmare situations where talent has just been left to get to another show on their own. And this kind of puts that in the negotiations right at the start and makes it easier. I, it's Eve themselves that recently, I don't know what happened, but Kaylee Ray and Viper basically needed a lift from Brighton to London, which is just bizarre. Uh, so hopefully going forwards that that removes that uh, makes everything that much more professional. Uh, so the talent they return their contract back before the date of the booking. Uh, that serves as documentary evidence. Uh, so each party cannot breach the agreement. It works both ways. It's it's proper like proper business for once. Uh, terms and conditions will uh, cover all aspects of engagement, including a commitment from Eve that paramedics will be present at every show. Obviously, Eve have had an absolute rinsing on uh, on the Twitter for not having paramedics at shows. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just I was at Wrestle Queendom and I didn't see a paramedic. Uh, I was at one of those shows recently and I did. So going forwards, hopefully that's a positive thing. Uh, there's a dignity at work policy which uh, covers bullying and harassment. Um, so there's a process there for handling problems, allows a union rep to uh, deal with a complaint if it's not dealt with to a talent satisfaction. This is all like way above and beyond anything that we've had before uh, in the Indies. Oh, we've had nothing basically. We, we've had nothing at all. So this is a major, major step in the right direction. Um, Oh, it's a recording schedule, so it makes it clear about how talent's uh, intellectual property is used. If footage is ever sold, there has to be uh, a negotiation with equity about uh, fees. So if you're actually selling uh, footage somewhere, so if somebody sells footage to television, then there is a fee involved for any of the people involved because they are uh, entertainers, and that's that's what happens in the entertainment business. Um. 
Yeah, so the terms and conditions have been established uh, through this negotiation that they've had. It protects both parties. And and that's it. That's that's what the code of conduct uh, represents. And that is what uh, Eva going to do going forwards. It's all very high-level stuff, as you say. Like, it does sound very professional and it comes is, It's extremely promising. Uh, the concern that we've had... Uh, with various British promotions is that they can basically just do whatever they want and book people and then unbook them without telling them. Uh, we've had several instances of guys being booked. I'm not going to mention the promotion, but it's people will know who I'm talking about uh, where they've booked promotion from overseas to try and boost the uh, ticket sales and then canceled it without telling them basically just canceled flights and stuff. And, the show has gone on without them. And there's been a half-hearted apology on Twitter saying, oh, it's all right, we've we've booked them for another date, which is bullshit. <laughs> Everyone knows it's bullshit. Uh, with this kind of thing in place, that can't happen. So, yeah, with uh, Britress has got unions. Um, so I, I spoke to, to David Starr about this uh, because obviously he's a, he's a big driving force behind it. Um so I asked him if he was happy with what had happened so far, whether he was hoping that other promotions would follow suit. And he was he was like, this is this is 100% what I want. This is what I'm campaigning for. And I asked him if that would be, if he was hopeful that would become the standard for the indies. And he said the, the idea would be that everyone in the UK would join equity. Then they could negotiate with uh, each promotion individually. So locker rooms elect a rep. Uh, the workers have a seat at the table when it comes to company decisions. This is pretty uh, radical stuff. Uh, I seriously doubted this would ever happen in America, and I'm really glad it's happening here. Thoughts? Yeah, it's it's it really is like um, it it has potential to be huge. Now, I think it does have to be stressed that at the moment it's not. It's obviously, it's not widespread. It is one promotion that's currently agreed to it. It's nowhere near the, you know, there's a, I don't know the exact numbers of how many people have signed, how many wrestlers have signed up for equity, but it's, you know, again, it's far from everyone. Um, You're obviously going to run into the problem of if you sign up for equity, I don't know how long that puts you in there for, but like, does that, create any problems if you then want to get signed for wwe if so as so many uh people are but it's a huge step in the right direction because it was literally in europe and uh and the us and i i don't know about like places like mexico and and japan etc but europe and the us like unions just in wrestling just weren't a thing and they haven't been a thing for basically ever and the mere idea of them was always talked of as like, wouldn't it be amazing if that could wouldn't happen? Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. But there's no chance of it ever happening. Well, this is a very firm first step. And I think it's very promising that it's not like a couple of wrestlers who have gone, okay, let's start our own union. Because there's, there's plenty of wrestlers over the years who have thrown that <laughs> idea out. They've maybe got some stuff down in writing, but nothing's ever really come of it. Um, this is them going to a, a pre-existing union in equity 
who are, you know, they're legit as hell. They're, like, a big thing uh, through the rest of entertainment. And they've got it. And one of the problems that was always, um, as you kind of said, going into these things, one of the the roadblocks was, like, well, where does wrestling get categorised? Because it's always, it's always that weird thing of, like, is it stuntmen? Is it... Um, are they athletes? Are they entertainment? They're kind of none of all three, and, and because all they of, all the three. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. <laughs> so it's it was always very hard to like categorize them, uh, and then you always obviously always have that that awkward because uh... with so many of many industries, the, this sort of thing is set from the top down, and unfortunately in wrestling, the top is WWE, yeah. and. They are they awful are, in there pretty is much all never, practices. Ever going to be a union that interacts with WWE? Uh, if anybody is hoping for that to happen, it's just it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. And that's why it isn't on the indies because I mean the guys in the top biggest company in the world have to drive themselves to shows and book their own hotels. Yeah, really. If they get injured, well, shit out of luck, basically. Yeah. Uh... There are there are issues obviously with with wrestling. Um, some people are not particularly reputable that run uh, wrestling uh, promotions. Wrestling yeah. Um, I think we're kind of lucky in the UK that it's in the minority, and a lot of the promoters in this country are, are quite open and honest and actually do the right thing for the the talent involved. And I think it's getting better all the time, which is you know one of the. There are still some the... right scumbags out there promoting oh, sure, shows, but, but there's far less. It than feels like there's less, and it feels like more and more of them are slowly getting pushed out. Mm. Um, which is, you know, one of the the few bright spots in what's been a, uh, you know, uh, at times slightly depressing few years for Britress. Like you have seen a fair few of the shitbags get, you know, shoved out and leave the leave the business, and that's that's been good. And you know, it's obviously we're nowhere near perfect, but it's. It's getting towards the right direction. This, this, kind of helps strong... keep the, this whole thing keeps the the ones that are a little bit reluctant and the ones that are a little bit disreputable, it will help to keep them in line and do the right thing. So it, it might just be a little start-off now, but BritRest leads the world in this kind of uh, innovation. That's why a lot of the, the top guys... Um, that WWE is uh, signing come from this scene, whether they'd started here or not. Uh, you have to look at uh, Shigeru Irie coming and wrestling in the UK because he felt that that would make him, uh, that would put him on uh, radars of uh, bigger companies because everyone was looking at us. And if they're looking at us and they see uh, the boys organized in a union, and looking out for each other, then long term, who knows what can happen? I think AEW is the kind of place that would be open to to discussing this, and you might get this as you know an alternative to WWE is like, well, we treat people like people. Yeah, like people and professionals, which is something that you know WWE has historically not done, um, which is. And with with any with anything, AEW is a huge company and it's got huge financial backing, but it's you know it's not still not on the scale of WWE. So any like in any benefit, any advantage that they can have 
to make you go, well, I could sign for WWE or I could sign for AEW. Any benefit that AEW can add on, like they're welcoming to unions, um, they don't treat you like shit, etc., uh, etc. Et um, the booking is satisfying and you won't be depressed. Um, I think with a little bit of gentle cajoling, I think you'd, the likes of Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes would, would think of, of uh, unions as something that they could deal with, which would be well, they've, an they've incredible kind of, positive. They've already kind of alluded to it, and I think, um, do you remember when they had that uh, big big press conference? I think they, they mentioned unions by name as something they were at least open to, to doing business with, so this could be kind of the Kickstarter for that. But this is uh, this is radical change, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. Uh, maybe Eve being perhaps not a large company in uh, British wrestling, they run like a couple of big shows a year, and the rest of the time they're in uh, the Resgal, which is like two hundred tops. Yeah, they're kind of like the second second half tier or whatever. Yeah, I think because it's such a small company that. That maybe that's this has flown under the radar a little bit, but I'm hoping this is step one and step two will be a real positive thing where we start to include a lot of other smaller promotions and kind of work our way up from there. It sets a good precedent, I think. Like, and as you say, there's promotions on the same sort of tier as Eve of like that professional but like not huge promotions which they could easily get on board with like there's as, as we've said but in previously there's a good infrastructure of these promotions in this country to the point where you could see several promotions getting on board and there being um you know heavy backing for this from from the promotions themselves it's promising it's it's one of those things where like, three years from now, you could look back on this and go, that was a really big thing that really started something. Because where it's at now, it's not, like, a huge deal in itself. It's what it could lead on to. Yeah. There's also, you know, wrestling being wrestling and all, all the parties involved in um, European wrestling at the moment. You could easily see, you know, three years from now, you look back and you go, you know, it really sucks that nothing ever came from that. Um, people fought against it. It never really went anywhere. That that's a possibility. But there is a possibility that this has, you know, a a, a huge change to the way that labour rights work in yeah. British but wrestling and wrestling across the world. Even I think with social media, it's it's become that much easier for fans to voice their uh, concerns about the way that people are treated. So, I mean, Eve came in for some backlash because of the injury at uh, Wrestle Kingdom last year. Um, to Leah Owens because it appeared that there wasn't a, a medic there and it appeared that she was just carried to the back and there was no treatment. So I think part of this is Eve trying to uh, establish the clarity that there's a transparency there that they're, they're going to turn around and say, look, look we're an open book. Uh, we do have uh, paramedics at shows. Um, we are prepared for injuries. We are prepared to to be reasonable, and um, that is partially come from the the backlash against 
the injuries and the, the suggestion they didn't have a paramedic there. And if that happened consistently, so if other companies were held to the same standard, then that could be a real boost for um, for this cause. It seems like they want to make up for their mistakes in the past, which I guess is admirable. Like, as you say, with the travel thing as well, like they're clearly conscious of this. So, I mean, <laughs> if that's a way of pushing forward everything and making everything much better, then I, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'm happy with this so far. Uh, I'll try and keep tabs on it and see how it's going. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. And you've got to be hopeful in this kind of uh, <laughs> in this environment. You've you've got to be hopeful. Yeah, it's something we will definitely be coming back to um, because it it's it's an ongoing thing. This isn't like a snap. Everyone's unionized. <laughs> Labour yeah. rights fixed in in Britrest now. Like oh, it's yeah. obviously not that, but it's it's something that could be moving in that direction so it's a, it's a story that we'll be continuing to keep an eye on yeah and shout out to david star for coming over and uh, pushing everyone in the right direction indeed so uh yeah so last last weekend uh a source of mine um told me that uh, NXT UK uh, talent uh, would not be allowed on streaming services uh, going forwards. I was told that would be happening sooner rather than later, but there was no dates involved, which is much the same as uh, what I got told in, I want to say January. Yeah, it was January where I got told um, that WXW, Progress, and ICW were going on the network. Well, which... Leighton Buzzard is yeah yeah it but it is happening it's just it's not happened yet and because yeah, it's WWE not are yet, very indecisive huh WWE are very indecisive in these things yeah i'm not sure what the what the hold up is but it, it will happen and connected to that is that they're going to stop uh people appearing on different streaming services and kind of connected to this is uh, this is a weird thing for WXW that I, I heard from a, another completely different source, uh, was that none of their uh, talent is allowed to pe- appear in videos unless it's behind the paywall. So if it's not behind uh, the paywall on WXW now, they can't air videotape, which is, I assume, connected to, to the network. But it's just one of these weird WWE things where they've been told something and it's like, why? Who who does that benefit? Vince's fever dreams in the middle of the night coming up with this so. stuff. I guess so. It just doesn't make any sense. But we're, we're getting these weird things coming down where it's like we get told certain promotions can't do certain things and it's like, why? They're just being played with, I feel. It's... Uh, there are different levels of management in uh, WWE because it's a massive company. And some of them uh, seem to make decisions that override decisions that have already been made lower down. So the the initial setup where everyone was like, oh, you can do whatever you want, it's fine. This will not impact your, your day-to-day business. 
and then uh, run into an office meeting where people have looked at uh, ticket sales for NXT in Plymouth and have gone, well, these are clearly not high enough. We need to do something about this. And somebody even higher up has gone, well, why are, they, uh, why are these guys still appearing on, uh, you know, Fight Club Pros on demand or OTTs on demand? It's like, we need to stop that. And that's where we're at. And as as ever with these sorts of combination, uh, conversations, we do need to stress that, first off, this is all what we've been told and... In a, in several cases, we've had these things double source, but you know when it's not, we will we will stress that. Um, but as such, like obviously, we can't be a hundred percent sure that everything we're hearing is a hundred percent true uh, because we're obviously we're not in these meetings, etc., yeah. etc. Et uh, th- there is a key point here. I will not ask questions of people who I know were there who are WWE contracted because I know they're not allowed to talk to me. So I just, I don't bother asking the question because there's, there's no point. There's absolutely no, the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to get in trouble and I don't want them to get into trouble. So right. nobody who is actually works for WWE has, has been considered a source for any of this information. It's stuff where it's leaked out to someone else and they've told me. I can't quite say the same here, but um, <laughs> um, that 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 may be true for you. Um, I'm just saying it so that nobody turns around right, and right. says like, "Oh, you've got friends who work there." I assume they told you, and it's, they that has not happened. I've not asked anyone who works for WWE WWE related stuff because I know I'm not going to get an answer. Um, and then also. You know, with, as ever with these conversations, because of the the bureaucracy that WWE is, um, and as you kind of just outlined there, a lot of these things come into like they they occur. The rules are put in place. They have their effects for a few months, and then someone high up in WWE stops paying attention, and someone lower down just kind of walks back the rule a bit until they yeah. pay attention again in another four months, and suddenly there's a load of more rules. And we've seen this periodically in in the UK now for yeah yeah what, going on to for... basically since NXT UK start well before NXT but since that first UK Championship tournament where that first yeah. wave of guys got signed um, they you know when they had people they could work for Flow Slam they couldn't work for Flow Slam Pete Dunne versus Matt Riddle got announced like twenty four times uh, <laughs> happened <laughs> once in a dark match got pulled twenty three times etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, ever since then, we've had like several different like sets of rules put in place that last for a little bit, and then slowly they they don't seem to matter anymore until the next wave comes in. And I each feel time like there it's are, a little bit different. There are definitely people who are friendly to the UK scene who work for WWE who will basically keep telling them, "Don't worry, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Don't worry." So it kind of starts off as like you, "Thou shalt not," and then it's like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it." But, but uh, certain people have completely gone, though. Like Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, they don't work on any shows anymore. In fact, I don't think I've seen either one of them wrestle this year, apart <laughs> from uh, I saw Pete at the uh, Mania weekend wrestle for like NXT. That's the only time I've seen him wrestle this year. It's eight months in. It's a ridiculous state of it's, affairs. It's complete moving goalposts, but you feel like the goalposts are moving in more and more to the end location of not 
in our backyard anymore to labour the <laughs> the metaphor. Like it it seems like it is kind of two steps forward, one step back, and like every time they, you know, f- find out that we've been breaking their rules a little bit, yeah. um, you know, they tighten the the leash just a little bit more and a little bit more, and eventually, but it'll be just all gone. <laughs> it's Not almost to be like too bleak. Every time the, these set of rules come out, it's like they take five hundred pounds off us, and then. Like a month later, they give us two hundred pound back, and everyone's like, "Oh, we got two hundred pounds!" All these fucking idiots, these fucking WWE marks that I've had to deal with on Twitter over the past week, who were like, "Oh no, it's fine. WWE's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the fact that they've closed Defiance. That has nothing to do with WWE." Fucking wake up! That's that's I guess another story that we can kind of lump in here and go into a tiny bit more detail. Uh, Defiant that was probably previously and better known as WCPW um, branched off from the the What Culture brand when they had all those, you know, what What Culture at that time was quite a big thing. They eventually yeah. let go um, basically the people that were driving it, and now they're a far smaller thing. Um, they, those guys have gone off, uh, made is it Cultaholic or something? Yeah, and I think both are now considerably smaller than they were when they were together. But you know, they they both still exist. Um, they were, and and what culture was, you know, a far bigger conglomerate. It was like what culture wrestling was like a a section of their website and their YouTube channel, etc., etc. Yeah, top ten world. Yes, basically, they they love a listicle of what culture, um, and. Basically, they started a wrestling promotion, and they were... <sighs> this was prior to NXT UK. They were like the, the big fish coming in uh, to the UK scene way back. Wow, imagine that. Um, and they, they were... They were drawing some pretty big numbers, they though. Were I remember they, they ran numbers. a show in uh, Milton Keynes that was like 2,500 people turned up for, and it was like, well... Was that that's... Kurt Angle versus Cody or something? And uh, was that the show they cut Minoru Suzuki's was... music short? No, that was Angle and Angle and Al, uh, Alberto Del Rio. That was it. That Oof, was it. That's how long ago it was. That's that did quite a lot, from what I recall. Um, then they ran the World Cup, which was you know a mix. Success. It was a good idea. Yeah. Interesting. That's what I will remember of them is that World Cup. Like in um, theory, that when it started, that was a good idea. It just didn't really play out the way it should have done yeah it was perhaps a little over ambitious and too spread out and contracts in wrestling are tricky um so they ended up having to make a million cancellations mm. and shuffling stuff around and then that i think the world cup started before nxt uk was a thing and it ended after it was a thing so that was a big problem for them i remember joe connors was like out of the promotion back in for one night but then he had to win through to the final or something um that was the whole thing. Um, but yeah, they were quite a big deal for a while. And then after the the whole exodus of like uh, like on-screen like YouTube channel talent, they kind of went away for a bit and then they rebranded as Defiant. Yeah. And they were still booking like top-end talent, but it kind of became a thing of like... It was the place where top-tier wrestlers went for a payday and worked at like 50 60%. <laughs> 
It was their holidays, um, yeah. It was a lot of like weekday shows. So it was <laughs> it was guys who were like, well, I'm not I'm not working any of the top tier uh, promotions uh, on this day because they don't work, run weekdays. So I, I'll I'll go in for Defiant, and you know they had matches like Osprey Volta, and they had a, you know they had a, a David Starr Volta match. Um, Zack Saber had a, a a bunch of like high profile matches, but yeah, Osprey worked there quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Galloway was a big thing there for a bit. It, it was it was well, an they, interesting they, environment. It's funny you should mention Galloway because I looked up their uh, champions and like the first three champions were all signed by WWE and had to drop the belt because they'd been signed by WWE. Yeah, yeah. But obviously that had nothing to do with their closure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. The weekday shows is sort of what I was thinking with like when people say, oh, WWE's had no effect or even a good effect on Britress is because, you know, two or three years ago, midweek shows were kind of like the regular thing. And even if guys were going 60% on them, that is a sign that things were very, very healthy, that people would come out, you know, in not huge towns or anything. I mean, like Milton Keynes, I think they ran a lot, the, the Ice Arena. Um, people would come out and <laughs> watch... How dare you slander Milton Keynes? <laughs> It's a car park. Hey, it's a roundabout <laughs> hub. Thank you very much. Give it the respect it's due. Well, I mean, people would go there, even to Milton Keynes on a weekday night and to watch wrestling. And like, obviously, we ragged on the crowd a bit and ragged on the promotion, but it was it wasn't like a silent crowd or anything. They may have been a bit uh, smart, they, casual. Yeah, they but, were a little obnoxious, but yeah, um, it was a di- even like in the last year when they weren't doing so well. They were still getting decent sized crowds. It's not that they weren't drawing. Yeah, but that's now, not the reason why they closed. Now you do, you do still get weeknight shows. Like I went to the Attack one the other month, and you get the um, the Tuesday night Graps as well. But that's kind of a novelty show, so I'm not sure it really counts. But yeah, these these are far smaller shows, and to be fair, smaller is probably better. Like the quality <laughs> is is good, and like the nights are very fun. So I can't really knock the quality, but yeah, it shows that business as a whole and kind of the buzz as a whole as well is down a lot. People aren't going to come out on a weeknight anymore uh, because, yeah, the excitement just isn't there anymore. Like the ex- When you're in the venue, there's excitement. When you're at the show, it's, it's excitement. But when you get home, it doesn't really feel like you're missing out if you're not there. Well, yeah, crowds are down. Uh, ticket sales are down. Progress used to sell out in, in seconds sometimes, definitely in minutes. Yeah, within an hour pretty much every time. And now I think the last Camden show, they had tickets on sale the day before. There were still tickets available for that show the day before. No. Not, not through Twickets or anything, but directly through the normal uh, website because they hadn't sold of. out. Yeah, that, I mean, that never happened. Now, to be you know, to be balanced, they are running more shows now, but they're running a pretty similar amount of shows in London. It's just they're they're kind of branching out more. But you know, the the London market for progress has undeniably got you know considerably weaker. Now they are still either selling out or getting close to selling out, but the they're you know it, it's it's hardly a criticism to saying oh you're you're having a far slower sellout like for any other company that'd be be brilliant obviously but 
it you can from, tell from, the way it's from trending. minutes to the day before the show. That's quite the change. <laughs> and I think with ever with these sorts of conversations, like we don't want to come across too melodramatic, like this this new set of sanctions, this whole NXT UK thing, like I think I speak for all of us when we say we don't think this is going to kill the scene. Yeah, Britress is not dead, but the idea that Britress could be something like Japan, Tokyo, Korokan Hall, where it's just constant shows all the time, in like completely independent of a higher body, that idea is out the window. Whereas three three years ago, it felt like it could happen feasibly. The the scene is significantly less hot than it was two years ago. Oh, 100%, 100%. Like, both in worldwide, like, attention, there's so many, it feels at least, that there's so many less people internationally paying attention to Britress, and I can't blame them, because I'm paying less attention and I live here. So, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's... It is getting to the point where I'm seeing more shows live than I am on tape, because I'm just not watching them on tape, because there's no point. Whereas, mm. like, I'm still going to them live, because I'm still... I still like going. It's still. I, I think the live experience is pretty much the same. Like, I, I, like once you, as I say, at, once you're at the show, it doesn't feel like you're getting a, a worse show or a diminished show. But it's just look looking at that ticket screen, and I mean, this may not be true for everybody, but it's true for me, and it's true for, I mean, I guess the people we know, like who are, you know, front and center in the scene. When you're looking at that ticket screen and you're going like, do I really need that? Whereas before, you know, it was just automatic fucking, you go to Progress because you have to see what they're going to do next. Whereas now, well, Progress is WWE and, I mean, the storylines are kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just coming across as a jaded is, fuck. is but... <laughs> where it's gone wrong for them. Uh, but it's not only uh, Progress, it's every British wrestling promotion has really struggled to do long-term storylines. And the reason why they've struggled to do long-term storylines is they can't tell who's going to be here next month. Yeah. Because WWE might sign uh, Paul Robinson or Lucky Kid or uh, Chris Brooks or TK Cooper or anyone really could just get signed next month. So if you were trying to build a storyline around them and there was a multiple parts uh, story going on with various turns and twists and, and a big payoff at the end of it. And they get signed after like match two and that's it. You can't use them anymore. It's like, well, shit, there's like, there was an arc here and you, now I can't do it. So they're not even bothering and nobody is doing these uh, long storylines. And when they are, it's more often the case of it's something where it's already established, like Star versus Volta, where it's it's been established for for years and years already. So they're just continuing what's already established. Right, the groundwork's already been put in, so like it's not that big investment because you can yeah, just. It's not like they're you can do it. You can like throw that. in a chapter of Star versus Volta, and it it feels meaningful and it feels yeah because you've got the background earned, already. But you don't you have to invest six months of it. it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of went into this a little on Twitter, but obviously not everyone listening will be on Twitter and not everyone will have seen it. So basically just to, to outline my thoughts, like while I don't think it will kill the scene, this obviously it won't kill the scene. Like it's very hard to kill any scene, but I do think it will hurt it a little. Uh, it certainly won't help things. 
business will probably stay at a fairly similar level with this new set of restrictions and maybe it will decline a little bit more it kind of all depends on how much they get rolled back how strictly they're enforced um how well these new the new like wave of talents built up and if they can become draws but then again it's always like well if they get built up they might just get signed straight away anyway because you, you you know you you look at the sheer amount of people they've got signed and you know you people always say there'll always be more talent well yes there will there's there's a steady pipeline but there also is it's a reality that it's possible to over sign and then you don't have the people to put over the next generation etc etc um and you know to be fair they they managed to do that in the first place with Brit Rest because we didn't have that generation of established strong guys in like in in 2012 or whatever there wasn't this great generation that could put over the Ospreys the Zacks the uh, the Martys and make them the big stars and we managed as a scene to like organically build that together and it's so much harder to do that now with the the looming WWE and it's just a weird a weird weird scenario um but again I, we don't think it's going to like murder the scene we don't think suddenly progress is going to have 100 people showing up as we say the tickets are selling slower but they are still getting sellouts but I think it's really awful to look at the pace of growth that existed in the UK scene and the European scene, expanding that somewhat, before NXT UK showed up and then after. Because we were easily the fastest growing scene in the world. And since then, you could say we're in roughly the same spot as when NXT UK showed up. Maybe a little bit worse, maybe a little bit better, but it's roughly the same level. Um, you look at Progress's big shows, they were doing the the once a year, and you know, Progress, I think are kind of the de, de facto biggest uh, UK company, of of course ICW had the, the, the biggest shows in the Hydro for a while. But I, ICW cons- is definitely selling a lot less tickets, oh, doing hundred, far, like, far by, less shows. By magnitudes, by magnitudes. You look at their cage match and see just the amount of shows they're running um in their prime and where they are now now i would always kind of caveat with i did always think that with the quality of shows they were running they were running to a market that was starved of wrestling but with that quality it was always going to be somewhat hard to maintain those numbers without an increase in the quality but they were they were doing brilliantly and now look where they are they're like almost irrelevant on the global scheme um but you look at Progress's big shows and look where they were held. Brixton, what was that? Like 6,000 or something? Maybe a little, 4,000? Somewhere around that. Right? <laughs> 6,000 nowhere near. Yeah, right. Brixton, I think, was oh, 2,500. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm thinking of something completely different. Yeah. Brixton was what, 2K, right? Yeah, 2,000, 2,500, somewhere then, in between. Then there. it was Wembley where they did like four, yeah. six, somewhere Wembley's in Wembley's 4,000, 4,500, I think. And now they're back to Ali Pali, which is... I think less than two thousand. I think I think they're probably going to do less at Ali Pali than they did at Brixton, right? Mm, it's a better venue, of course, but <laughs> in terms I, I of really pure like the show at Brixton, but that's because I met loads of people for the first time, so it was kind of a, it felt like a gathering, whereas 
I would probably have the same fond memories of Alexandra Palace if that had been the first time I'd met like a, a load of people. So I didn't really yeah. like Ali Pali as a venue; it was too flat. But that—that's kind of just, just besides the I, point. I find it very easy to see in Alexandra Palace, so I quite happily would. I mean, I've been there for the last two Strong Styles and Kaiju Big Battle, and it's it's great for just kind of standing at the back and you can see everything it's fine but uh anyway the the point tall i was kind privilege. of trying to <laughs> yes very much tall privilege i i struggle you, you don't uh, need but... to be tall <laughs> uh anyway um just the the scale of the buildings that they were running for the you know wembley to ali pali is quite the step down and they i think they could probably run a bigger show than ali pali for their their big show of the year but like I don't think I'm not sure they could draw the 4K. They they could. What was that last year? Two years ago. That was last know. year, right? Was that last year? Yeah. Um, and that like already showed. Like, am I am I off base in that? Do you think they could repeat the number they did last year? I mean, if ballroom ticket sales are anything to go by, presumably no. you're correct, Rob. <laughs> that's that's my read. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many people are actually at Alexandra Palace. Um, I noticed that they they deliberately put in a really gimmicky match during a Royal Rumble or a a thirty man over the top rope battle royal, should I say? Um, and that's something that when they announced it, I was like, "Oh, am I going to that?" Because like I've never seen a a, a Rumble match. Um, it's also a bit two thousand and four, you know. <laughs> it, is, it is very much Sterling a, James Keegan. It is very much a let's let's throw something wacky out there and and get some tickets out of it. But um, yeah, I've been interested to see what the numbers are like at, uh, for the for the September show. And I think it it's all part of kind of the, I always go back when when I'm talking about Brit Rest and kind of the trajectory it's on to a conversation I had with Ollie on the pod. Like uh, I think probably three years ago now, which makes me feel very old. Um, <laughs> And we were kind of talking, I think it was just NXT UK was first first rocking up, first becoming a thing. And we were saying, I have no problem at all with people signing with WWE, even if, you know, at the time the big conversation was, oh, these are these mark contracts, they're barely earning anything. Uh, it's just so they can say they're signed by WWE. I have no problem with anyone doing that. Um, I don't know their exact financial situation beforehand. It was at least a guaranteed income, which is um, something a lot of these indie guys didn't have before then. Um, and also there's kind of from the the uh, my perspective as an economist, there are other utilities people perhaps would have got from signing for WWE. Maybe it was their childhood dream to finally sign with WWE. And even if it's not the greatest contract, they get a, a sense of utility from uh, finally getting to sign there. Uh, maybe it's they can show their, their I, family. I certainly think that's, that's a bit... I was about to say exactly that. It's it's something where you can go home to your, your mom and dad and go, I've, I've made it, I've signed for WWE. And, like, they don't know what progress is. Most most parents don't know what progress is unless it's like, um, oh, it's that thing my son now works for, and that's that's kind of cool that he he manages to to get this regular work in the UK. But you know, to most people in the world, WWE is wrestling. 
so to say you've finally like to you know you talk to your uncle who's who's kind of always been joking when are you going to get a real job or oh, you've signed to we yet jokingly you can finally say yes that 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 can be a big thing to some guys i have no problem with people signing obviously i've always had more respect for people who uh go their own way do do something for the craft but you know my respect don't pay the bills you know <laughs> i I've got, <laughs> I've got no no maybe one day that will that. be currency rob but uh, <laughs> what a world it's that going would be. that way with twitter isn't it <laughs> um what a world that would be um but my thing was always i had a lot of passion for the scene as a whole i've seen it go from not nothing but not far from nothing i've seen it go up I've, I've i've managed to track a part of it in my own very small way i've been a part of it i think we've all been a part of it in our own small ways to varying degrees um getting the word out getting more people internationally involved in it um hyping up certain matches certain wrestlers who have then gone on to to go on to great things and that's been awesome to see and my thing was always and i remember telling ollie this while we're not there now, my ambition was always that the UK and the European scene would get to the point where it was never going to be a WWE and have a WWE, but maybe it could get to like a, a, a Mexico or a Japan where people can view the, the, the big companies in the, the UK and European scene as kind of an end destination, as like a, a real viable career choice, as a, a career point where you can be happy you're there and it's not just a stepping stone we're probably never going to have a wwe we're never probably never even going to have like a new japan level company but the way the scene was growing i don't think it was unrealistic to say in 2015 ish that we were on track to have like a dragon gate level promotion by 2022 or whatever i think that was a realistic trajectory that we were on and ever since NXT UK has shown up, we've just stalled. We haven't necessarily yeah. fallen off a cliff, but we haven't continued that growth. Mm. And who knows? Maybe that growth would have stalled out anyway, but it's very, very convenient timing where the scene has stalled out. And that that, that, that does suck, and it does bum me out. And then when you throw in the, the company that's kind of putting this all together, that's, that's putting that kind of glass ceiling on the scene, that NXT UK like cap to where it can get to is WWE. It is the company that funds Trump, is a huge funder of Trump, does take money from an oppressive regime in Saudi Arabia. That that doesn't help things. That that doesn't make me feel any more positive about things. You can like look at the stars in the scene. Look at Zach, Marty and Will, which are kind of the, the trio I always look to as like they're kind of the first three that became major stars from the UK boom. Um there there are some maybe some other arguments, but I think they're the, the three you would go to. And obviously, they've only grown in stardom since uh, 2015 or so. Um, because in, they got out of the scene. <laughs> well, yeah. But in the past four years, who has reached the level they were at in 2015? British Strong Style, basically. And they're so deeply embedded with NXT UK. And their stardom was so deeply ingrained with NXT UK. And that weird limbo that they're now in, where, as you say how many matches of them have recently have you seen and if yeah. anything it feels like their stardom may even be on the wanes slightly it feels like they were a bigger deal in the world of wrestling two years ago than they were now um there's no one who has reached that point other than 
that Zack, Marty, and Will were at when NXT UK came in. Because with the scene as it is, it's so much harder to get to that level. I guess the one exception would probably be Volta, but he's kind of a, a weird, a weird thing where he he's the almost... Austrian anomaly. Exactly, exactly, and you you can't you can't <laughs> extrapolate from that anomalies. in NXT UK. That's his new nickname. That already is his nickname. Ollie. Oh, okay. That, 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 was <laughs> that, was the, that was the joke, Ollie. As, sorry. I... <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where I'm at with it. I, that's kind of long, long and rambly, um, but it, that's kind of where I'm at and where I'm at with. My, my passion for the scene and and where what my thoughts are out with the the whole NXT U, UK situation and and how that's kind of put a cap on the scene. Yeah, I'm genuinely yeah. angry that they just kind of waded in there and just fucked everything up. And <laughs> it's not like they did it with any kind of a plan in mind. It was just a oh, we can't have this. We can't we can't have someone being successful. Not when Having we can good influence matches. it. And yeah, they've just kind of waded in, taken over, and and. I, I don't watch NXT UK, and the only time I did watch it was when they did the, the that first takeover show, and it sucked. But the opening match was really good, and everything else was terrible. I, I think that's a big problem with it. Obviously, um, all the political ramifications of WWE are pretty very almost impossible to get past. Um, but of it, the creative ramifications of the move as well, you know, they pinch British strong style and do fuck all with them just so nobody else can use them and, you know, <laughs> like have any sort of wrestling matches with them. They'd rather take over the world and have, fill it with fuck all than let other people play in their, their toy boxes. It feels like we, we've, we've had... Like what was a very promising scene stolen away from us for no reason, mm. and yeah. it, like there is still a lot of fun in it, and the guys who are impressive in it, like have good matches, they have good performances, good auras. Mm. But as Rob says, there is no one of the level of stardom of a Will Ospreay or a Zack Saber Junior, and nobody who really looks like they're going to be. I'm not going as far as to say like, oh, the scene's dead because I was around. Like 15, 20 years ago, when the yeah, scene when was, was the dead, scene was dead. Yeah. it was. It was terrible, and we were still hopeful. You know, there were still good things happening. There were still good wrestlers there, um, and in a way, it is better now because there is a way to get beyond like working in shitty little uh, UK venues and becoming a global star. It's some. It, there's a possible route there for your your Gene Moneys and your OJMOs. Of the world. But there could have been a route, not only that route open, but also a domestic route open to being a big star. And, you know, as Rob says, we could have had a Japan type situation with a Dragon Gate level company, uh, uh, not Noah now, but previous Noah and all Japan. You know, these self sustaining companies, which could feel like endpoints for guys who didn't necessarily want to go to WWE or, um, you know, get what, used in that way what really uh, like is starting to piss me off at the moment is some uh wrestlers uh like roy johnson on on the twitter saying oh brit rest is fine uh yeah because you're getting booked more it's like the the scene is not fine it was it was great uh two three four years ago it was a great scene it was doing fantastically well and the difference between then and now 
is upsetting and it it feels like sabotage vandalism on on the part of Vince just coming in and just smashing the place up and then going like oh yeah you, you can have it back now <laughs> i've i've taken everything of value and obviously he can't take everyone so he's left behind a bunch of really talented people but to turn around and say that oh the scene's fine wait yep yeah, are you going to settle for fine then is that fine's all right yeah, we we can draw uh, three hundred people to a show. You could you could end up drawing three thousand people to a show three years ago if the booking was right, if the stories were right, if the promotion was right, and and now you can't do that. Mm. And this may be like an aesthetic moan on my behalf, but like it kind of, as you say, with the booking and the stories, they kind of feel like they don't matter anymore because it, it like just at the snap of a finger it could change or somebody could be whisked away never to be seen again only to then be brought back three months later like i don't know like all of this stuff above the kayfabe above the storylines has sort of i mean look at the content of this podcast we've talked exclusively business for an hour <laughs> you know when it used to be more of a mix or more towards you know the booking and the stories and the wrestling <laughs> like it kind of feels like it's been overshadowed and as as i say when you're there at the show it's good fun it's a fun night out and all the guys are impressive but like once you leave you're kind of not thinking about it whereas before you know you'd be buzzing about what's going to happen next now it's kind of just like let's go get drunk <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, back in the day, I was still interested in the alcohol. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that of course. Change. Yeah, there's there's just so much less to sink your teeth into now. There's so much less to get passionate about in European wrestling. Um, there was OGMO pack, <laughs> Michael Oku and pack, but other than that, like I, uh, yeah, look, I haven't been buzzing for anything recently. Like, OTT we get the feeling is... we're, we're going to get uh, abuse for for being negative about the scene here. And we're not. We're not being negative about the scene. I've been to 30 shows already this year. I fucking love <laughs> Brit Rest. I love it. But, um, yeah, it's just not what it was like three, four years ago. And that's that's not our fault. That's not on us. That's on, on one person. That's on Vince, uh, Vince McMahon, the greedy prick. <laughs> yeah, like... Now, I don't want to get too, like, melodramatic... Um, because you know, as ever with me, I'm always fairly deadpan, well, lacking the the old emotion things. Um, I think you might actually be a robot. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I I do what I can. Um, I don't have like a problem on the surface of NXT or WWE signing guys from Brit Rest because people are going to say, oh, these people don't want these people to to make money or whatever, or we they do. don't want them to be signed by WWE. I have zero problem with people getting signed by WWE. Uh, we have some very talented people, and they deserve to be viewed on the worldwide stage, and they deserve to make a lot of money. And some of them are making pretty good money. Some of them are making a fairly fairly good amount of money, and I'm, I'm happy for them. What upsets me is that how many of them are doing nothing or doing stuff that's completely inconsequential like look at all the people that have been signed for nxt uk and now how many people got put, got brought up to wwe from nxt uk because nxt uk has been going for a few years now several years how many people I, have been brought i believe up the to total WWE? is zero 
I think you're right. I think it's you're right. And maybe Mark limbo. Andrews. Mark Andrews and 205 Live. Is that main roster WWE? Who knows? No, well, it's Big like, Dunn had that's... a match on Raw, but like nobody's been called up. Yeah, I mean, you could... Uh, people would maybe say Jack Gallagher, but he was Cruiserweight Classic, wasn't he? So he doesn't even count. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's Mark Andrews, and that's kind of it, isn't it? And to like the... You know, the B team. Yeah. Yeah. 205 Live is, is hardly the, you know, as uh, the, the flagship always likes to call it. That's the kids' table. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, AAA baseball, but nobody will understand that reference. <laughs> I got I'm that Turning one. into a yank. I'm sorry. I got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of what it is. I just, like, don't know much about it. Um, and then to add to that, like, it's... To be fair, Rolly, we're probably double A. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we're just fucking. In, we're not even like NEA. We're rookie league. That's how they see us, the farm system. And then you, then you've got the whole thing of like the constant changing of like rules and stuff, changing of restrictions. Like if you were a cynical person, and God knows I am, uh, you could possibly <laughs> say that just by the the consistent changing of of the rules where it's not like oh you can never work this place it's just that at any point you might not be allowed to work this place how many times has Ginny come back and then like been whisked away to exclusivity island again and then come back again that really stops the build-up of stars it stops the build-up of storylines because you can't as you say do these long-term things because at any moment you might not be able to use these things use these talent and of course you can always say they signed the contract. They're not going to be ex- uh, ex- exercising any rule that isn't allowed by their contracts. It's the talent's fault for not properly signing the contract. And yes, there is, of course, merit to that. But it's it's the, the sheer level of frustration is obviously evident from a lot of talent, um, but also a, a lot of promoters, just from how, how often they have to change the rules and change how who they can book and how long they can book them and how they can book them suddenly this guy can only show up on a dark match this guy can only do this this guy can't lose this guy can't wrestle this guy because he signed somewhere else it's 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 an it's all it, you know we we talk about they haven't built up new stars well it's because it's bloody hard at the moment right mm-hmm. it's it's next to impossible for him we could be easily accused of I mean obviously we've all experienced burnout in some form probably this year but you know across the years and we could be just labelled as you know cynical old bastards at this point after uh, four years of podcasting but yeah as you say it is across our timeline across the fandom this is how people are feeling it is not just us although you know we are vocalising it you know there is that lack of engagement. Like, if you go on Twitter during a progress show uh, on any Sunday they're running, you know, you won't hear a fucking peep about what's happening, whereas three years ago, you know, you'd be getting up-to-the-minute fucking <laughs> uh, discussions about what Jim said and, you know, who did what, and, you know, you'd, you get, you'd get the bell result immediately. Doing the results, that's about it. Yeah. Gad, gadges of a last bastion. Yeah. So, look at that. I've been to, like, 29 shows this year i'm going to number 30 on uh, sunday um on tape 
from uh, from British promotions, not including OTT, because they're Irish. Uh, I have watched two shows this year, <laughs> which is that is a ridiculous statistic, absolutely ridiculous. Compare what that were to the last two shows. Year. <laughs> See, I I watched two cockpit shows in January because I had two weeks off work. So moving on, because we we have entered a negative spiral that uh, <laughs> circling we, the dream. We have to we have to pull I, ourselves out. I was actually staggered of... to find that out. I was scrolling up and going, I must have seen something, and I'm scrolling up, scrolling up, scrolling up, nothing. Uh, one last piece of news before we actually get on to the actual, you know, the actual wrestling matches. Apparently, they did do still happen. Um, Jim Smallman is leaving Progress. That's that came as a bit of a shock to me when it when it first came out and it it more than i think a lot of promotions um having one of three owners leave doesn't sound like a huge thing that that's a big thing for progress because he's kind of been the face of progress since the inception i guess he was on commentary to start with um but yeah that was it's a big deal it's a very big deal I, I was caught completely uh, off guard by this. I, as you know, I know Jim quite well, um, and I never got an impression that uh, that he was considering this. He's definitely dropped a couple of his uh, hobbies recently. So uh, the Tuesday Night Jaw uh, podcast has gone. He's handed that over to Matt Richards' uh, stand up that he used to do. That's he's finished doing that. Uh, they just want him full time, is is what I can uh, gather, and I guess fair play. It's it's the end of an era because I mean that obviously he was a big part of the Jimmy Havoc storyline and his feud with Will Osprey that ignited progress and pushed it all to the next level. So even you know taking out all the stuff that he did for progress and obviously being the face of progress. You know, he's the owner that everybody knows. You know, all the Americans would talk about how much they love Jim Smallman yeah. and his, you know, his discussions at the start of shows or the, the higher. Um, you know, that was a, a huge part of the presentation. So him leaving, I, I saw people saying final nail in the coffin of Brit Wrestle Progress, you know, fairly melodramatically, but it, I mean, it is true because it is a very symbolic end to this era of Britress. And yeah, as we say, Britress is still alive, but it is in a, a, a different space at this point. Yeah, it, it does feel weird that um, that he won't be there. It's going to be very strange. The um, the Progress show, what, what drew me into uh, Progress as a promotion in the first place was the atmosphere. And a lot of the atmosphere was driven by the style of the ring announcing. Oh, 100%. Um, and I don't think Jim gets enough credit for that because like, what he did was control the room. and Like, like a comedian. Yeah, yeah, but he, he did. He controlled the room. and uh, So you, you knew what you were supposed to be doing out there. And if you, if you fucked up as a member of the audience... It was funny. It was like drawn in. It was part of the show. And it was just, there was no atmosphere like it at any other uh, show anywhere in the country. And uh, I think this is something that Repro really struggled with. 
because they're very straight-laced and, and sportsy in their uh, ring announcing and their I, presentation. I do like the charm of, who's ready for the next match? But yeah, it's clearly not on the level of Smallman. <laughs> yeah, so I, I honestly, I think Jim doesn't get enough credit for what he's done. And he's going to be a big miss for progress. I think of, of the three, if you take one out and it's going to cause the most amount of damage, I think it's actually Jim Smallman. Uh, I know John Briley does a lot of work uh, with booking talent and with organizing all the stuff. Like he is the the workhorse of the three, um, but the soul is small. The, the soul is Jim. Uh, Glenn is more of an ideas guy, and I do appreciate what he brings to the table as well. Even though I don't like his commentary, but um, yeah, Jim is the big one, I think, and I don't think it's going to be as good. And that's based on what we're already saying about the company is that it's it's been struggling. To, to tell long-term stories, I don't think it's going to be helped by losing somebody who can control the crowd so well. Yeah, I can I can only echo a lot of what you've said there. Um, I don't think it can be understated just how vital he was and his show opening promos uh, mm. and just chats with the crowd and general atmosphere setting to creating the vaunted progress atmosphere that was what made it go from a British indie to the British indie and then the indie worldwide for a period of time, definitely. Um, It created a a sense of specialness from being able to be in that crowd. It created a sense of community, which I think there, there's so many people who are diehard committed to progress at this point. And I don't. I think a fraction of them are, are there now without Smallman creating that sense, that environment. Um, and in some ways, like because that bought that sense is already there, it less damage is done by him leaving than him never being there. If that makes sense. Yeah. From the, that's already I, I think there. he's already he's going to be extremely hard to replace. Oh yeah. The only the only person who I think could actually replace him is Kid Lycos, and that's because Kid Lycos can basically do Jim Smallman. <laughs> he can do a, He does an impression of Jim Smallman that is absolutely uncanny. So I feel like he could just carry on and do the same thing and keep the same level of value from from that position, but. Um, yeah, anyone else I think would just be a, a big step down. So, we've been very, 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 very depressed through most of this podcast, unfortunately. Not only so, depressed, but angry, Rob. That, that too, that too. It's a hell of a combination. All, all the emotions, all the good ones. Um, let's be nice and balanced and say, while a criticism for our last few podcasts that we've done is like, no British matches are getting any hype. Like, it's not only that they're, they're, you know, from my critical lens, like none of them are, uh, are hitting that great barrier. It's that nothing was even getting hype. Well, Progress did go through a run of shows where they had at least one match every single show that was getting some serious hype. And it was a nice change because prior to that, they'd kind of been nothing for a while. And it was really weird because I think in 2018, weirdly, they had a really good in-ring year. 
Um, it was the storylines and the, the overall yeah. feel of the product that was... Yeah, I, I would very much agree with that. Whereas 2019, the in-ring wasn't there either. And that was like, God, there's nothing left with this promotion. Well, chapter 19, 91, 92, uh, OJMO and David Starr versus Volta and Shigehiro Iri. Uh, 91 had Ilya Dragunov versus Jordan Devlin. And then 92 had Volta versus Ilya Dragunov. It was finally like... Oh, Progress is pumping out some big hype matches. And while, you know... Me... I, I have also heard that 93, uh, the two top matches there, which is OJMO and Irie and uh, Grizzled Young Vets against Aussie Open, they're both very good matches as well. I watched the start of OJMO, Irie, and it looked very good. But I, I didn't get a chance to watch the rest of it. So, you know, me being me, it wouldn't be me if I didn't go, eh... I had issues with all three of these matches. Personally, I thought all three of them were very good, but all had a little something holding them back from being great. But it, it was just nice to like be watching hype Brit rest matches because it feels like it's been a long time since that's happened outside of maybe the occasional pack match. Yeah. Well, the, so we, we talk about the first one, so yeah. the tag. Uh, I feel like a lot of this was on OJMO. And the the structure of the match. So you had the the Volta Star background, and that was the the setup there because you had Star and Volta basically bringing in their uh, their choice for MPS. And Star had OJMO. Volta had uh, Voight Muller, but he was in a car crash going to the airport and missed the show. And I mean, I love Voight, but I think Irie is an upgrade. Uh, so you had like him slotting into into Voight's spot, and they had a cracking match. It was really really good. The um, just the, the sense of like OJMO going after Volta and want and getting all like fired up at the. It kind of reminded me of what OTT were doing with um with the whole Star Volta Devlin thing. It was like you draw other people in and make them relevant to the storyline as well. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's kind of a shame that Voight wasn't there because I imagine that he and Star could have developed an issue in this match. Whereas I liked OJMO developing an issue with uh, with Volta because he actually held him back on the pin at the end, which is a is kind of a big deal without being a pinfall, if you know what I mean. Right. It was like he was, he was a part of the fall. He he was strong enough to like stop Volta from breaking up the fall. Or just, just slow like, him down enough. Yeah. <laughs> which is the main thing. I so think I, they... I thought that was very cool. I thought the way they they balanced uh, everyone's role in this match was very good. <laughs> that was literally what I was on the verge of saying. That's oh, like, sorry, Rob. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, yeah, the the way it's so. Sometimes I think it can be very difficult to balance having a great match with also presenting some people as better than others. Mm. And they really nailed that here. Um, in a way, it almost felt a bit weird that Star and OJMO won because it felt like, in terms of like tiers of this match, you had uh, Star and, and Volta on one level at the top, uh, and then Erie on the next level, and then OJMO on the third level. Um but it, it, it worked nonetheless because you did end up with Star pinning Irie, uh, and that works simply because, you know, Star was kind of, no pun intended, the star of the match. Um, 
in terms of he is the the better guy on his team, even if the match was kind of built around uh, OJMO. I actually thought like second per second uh, in terms of like time that they were featured. Ire was the best guy in this match. His I was literally about to just incredible. say that. I thought he was absolutely outstanding here. He he was so fast. He was so accurate. He was just he he basically stepped into this role and thought, well, here's another opportunity to prove that I'm one of the best wrestlers in the world. Let's do it. His and cat- yeah, he was great. He hits a cannonball in this match, which is the best cannonball yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, it was the velocity on it, the the force, like. I don't even remember if he hit it on Star O J M O, but it looked like it murdered them. Like it he, was... he does everything at that that hundred miles an hour. This that's the way he wrestles, and oh, he's so great. I love that he's come over to Europe and just wants to kind of hang out here, and he's he's developed all these relationships over here, and and everyone's booking him because he's so good. Whereas, like sometimes you get people who come over, and it takes a while for them for anyone to get. Uh, adjusted to how good they are so it's like oh maybe i'll book this guy but oh, i don't really know much about him but area just kind of walked in and everyone's like oh this guy's so good <laughs> and i'm really happy for him because he's, he's a super nice dude and i think if anything he's only improving um which is saying something because he was very good to begin with um ojmo Obviously, he's kind of the, the the talk of the town at the moment. He's the, the pick of the upcoming British wrestlers. He's incredibly promising. He's getting put in featured spots across various different big promotions. And everyone's very excited by him, and rightly so. Uh, for his age and his experience level, he's got incredible crowd connection. He's got really good timing, which has just, I think, come about relatively recently, that he's finally got the timing down 100%. But for him to have it down 100% at this point is very impressive. Um, I've seen him in so many matches now, and I can't at any point say, oh, he was out of position there, or that felt a bit awkward. There was a couple of stutter steps there. Someone had to delay for him to get into place, which is usually something you see with a guy at, at this experience at level. That, yeah, at that level of experience, yeah. And then on top of that, he's clearly got the effort level, like the grind. He's putting the hours in. Uh, he's putting the work in. He's everywhere. Like you're always saying, you go into all these shows, and he's at every single one of them. Even if he's not booked, he's there. And I think that... 2018, I, every single show I went to, OJMO was either wrestling on or was just there. And when I started in uh, 2019, the first show I went to was an attack show in Cheltenham, and he was on the ring crew. And, I was and so... now he's reaping the rewards of all that effort. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Because he's put the grind in and he's gone out there and he's uh, he's shook the hands and he's made sure everyone knows who he is, what he can do. Uh, uh, but it, what has really put him over the top is the fact that he can connect so well with the crowd. And I, you just mentioned that, Rob, but like, it takes time to get that to get that comfortable in the ring. But the first time I saw him was in uh, progress in, in a dark match in... Uh, he was tagging with Big T. Mm-hmm. And the just the charisma was just dropping off the guy, and I thought he was going to be one of these uh, these dudes. And I have met people in wrestling that are like this, but they just don't switch off and they just bounce off the walls all the time. And I don't want to say cocaine, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not all natural. Whereas uh, OJMO, it's like you see him do what he does in the ring, and then you talk to him outside of it, and it's like 
he he can switch that on off and on at will Which and I think that's pretty special healthy. yeah it really is as well it was yeah healthy is definitely a good word for it nice to be a well-adjusted young man as well as a good wrestler yeah um i think the next step for him has to be putting on mass putting on size because that is kind of the limiting factor for him at the moment i'm not like a you know i'm not i'm not a body guy i'm not someone who's like every wrestler needs to look like magnus or whatever but that is kind of the yeah i the one I, thing I agree as well. back on him i agree it's like you have to be convincing and i feel like he is muscular enough that I'm convinced that he can be in there. But if he's going to start beating somebody on a higher tier, basically anyone else in this match, then he needs to be bigger than he is. Right. Which it, is not easy. Like, the way he currently is can work as an underdog, but he needs to get bigger to start filling any other roles. And because he's so good at everything else, it's it's early in his career, but he's already at the point where people are like, well, let's start putting him in these other roles other than underdog because he's already at that level where we want to start building around him. He isn't just this young guy. He's a, one of our featured guys. And the size is kind of restricting him there. But as as we say, he's very young. Uh, I don't know his exact age. He's like mid-20s, early 20s, something like that, right? I would say early 20s. Um, I think he's about our age, Robert. <laughs> yeah, I think he's... a. a I think I saw he was a tad older, but like not. Okay. I think he's like twenty five or whatever. So it's not. It's not like he's. Yeah, he doesn't still, have time to add mass. Still considered considered to be a young man. Very much so. Very much so. Um, one spot that I loved in this match was um, other than the cannonball was uh, OJMO going up for the like uh, top rope moonsault to the outside and just getting shoved off. That was beautiful. That was beautiful stuff. Dragon of Devlin was was the next match from the next chapter, and this kind of acted as a... I, I don't remember if it was like a, a pre-announced number one contenders match or kind of just a, a de facto one, um, because uh, Dragon of won and ended up getting a title shot at the next show. Um, the, the massive plus on this one was that it was really hard-hitting. It was all action. Um, the negative for me is it did feel a little bit movesy, um, it had a lot of the, the things about Devlin that I enjoy less when it's a match that doesn't feel as consequential, as storyline-driven. I feel his matches do get a little, like, the moves he he's doing are all, like, impressive and cool, but they don't feel like they play into the story of the match at all. It's just he's doing moves, kind of. Uh, especially when he's throwing in like destroyers and standing Spanish flies, which are some of my least favorite indie I, indie moves. I ever. do hate the the Spanish fly, but I do like the the way he used it in this match because it uh, Ilya went to the stupid rebound lariat thing and he countered that into the Spanish fly. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking a spot I hated and turning it into a, another spot I hated. But it was <laughs> it was like the two negatives turned into a positive because it was like, well, that's dumb. Oh, so he's turned it into that, so that's good. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that. But, you know, we, with that criticism, I do have to say, I thought it was a very good match, don't get me wrong. Like, they, they both brought the energy, they brought the, uh, you know, this was a stiff match. They were hit, levering each other. Uh, I did think it perhaps went a little bit too long. It could have 
served with shaving off a minute or two. Um, but you know, that's, that's, that's a bit nitpicky. And the other thing is in general with Dragonov, like when it's not like a, a key storyline match, I do kind of roll my eyes at like the, the really, really over the top, like facials and stuff. Like I can get bought in when it's like the conclusion to an epic feud, but when it's just kind of a match and he's pulling these constipated, constipated faces, I'm like, I don't know about this man. Uh, but I, that is I have Dragunov, a sneaking though. suspicion with Ilya that somebody has got in his in his ear early on and said like you need to be selling to the back row, like they need to see what you what's going on. And I think that is very much true of what he's doing. It's like you can always tell what's going on in an Ilya match. Like if you're at the back of the building, you can still see what's going on. And uh, maybe he'll need to tone that down uh, for television. Because he's almost certainly going to end up on television at some point because he's he's too good not to. I mean, and he, he, he's been whining and dining NXT UK for months now, so you know they 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 they've been flirting for a while. Um, yeah, well, it's not just that; like he's he's destined for bigger than that, and it's not like a a Pete Dunne or a Tyler Bate where they're very very good wrestlers, but you look at the size of them and think that's going to hamper them long-term. Like, Ilya's uh, just a shade under six foot tall, but he has, like, the body, uh, he has the look. I can see Vince just kind of falling for him, you know? So, in, in the long term, this is somebody who I could see totally being in the kind of level that, I guess, like, Ricochet is in at the moment. Like, that is a role that I can see him in. So, like, you, you kind of need to to get him to tone back the, the the facial stuff a bit on TV. But yeah, at the moment he's doing it for the, the, the guy in the back row who doesn't see very well. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very, very indie thing. Yeah, it's it's like um his his um his facials at the moment are Osprey Screams like a a year oh, ago. God. Osprey Scream selling. Like he's he's still struggling with that, but he's getting better. He's toning it down a little bit. Like Osprey's in the process of toning it down now, because I think it was very clear that like AJ Styles, when they were having their little feud, told him you need to, you know, be projecting right to the back of the room, and that's that's right. But maybe he took too much of that lesson almost, and he's that advice yeah, combined like, with stagecoach, yeah, equals. Just making sure there's nothing. I honestly thought it ended at the right time because, like you said, it was it kind of ran over like a minute or so. I thought they actually got the timing on the finish quite like bang on. But well, speaking of running on too long, Volta Dragonov again, very good yeah, match. You, you can have that. That match peaked like five minutes before it ended. Like the uh, the torpedo Moscow caught into the the Kajira clutch. That was the peak of the match. The crowd were going wild at that point. And then it went on for another five minutes and then kind of just petered out. And, you know, it was still good action, but it mm. it was one of those things that maybe when they were planning it out, obviously they weren't to know that that was when the the action would feel like it was peaking. But watching it, you were like, oh, yes, this has got a brilliant ending. And then he gets to the ropes still going. and then it still goes and then it still goes. And it's like, this is still good. They, they, it would have been better if be it stopped fair, earlier. They were getting reactions in the building, but it would have been a massive reaction if they just timed the finish right. Um, 
one thing I do want to say about uh, both of these matches, the uh, Volta Dragunov and Dragunov uh, Devlin, is the crowd was just molten for both of these. And it's been a while since I've seen uh, a crowd that hot. And I think this is testament to uh, like the north of England, uh, Manchester and Newcastle just not getting these big matches. Because so I don't think that, that would, either of those matches would have got the same reaction, which it deserved. Uh, like in London or or wherever down south, I, I feel like it's just because there's uh, the North has been starved of good matches recently that they got really strong reactions for those two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the, the crowd was definitely a plus to all. all I can't remember. The crowd if the was very hot. Was, the, was in the North, but the ninety one and ninety two definitely were, um, and they were a definite asset to the, to the the matches that occurred. Before we move on to, to questions that we um, that we solicited, uh, I just wanted to uh, poll your thoughts on um, Progress running the Natural Progression Series as kind of a standalone event, because that's one of the things, personally, I'm more interested in in BritRess um, in general across every promotion than I have been in something in a while. I think that's uh, a very interesting uh, concept. I like that they've kind of gone the the old NXT game show route of like having a an established <laughs> roster member and like a an NXT guy. Uh, or I suppose NXT guys are actually a, a bad way of putting it because a lot of the established roster members are the NXT guys. But um, you know what I mean, like the the up and comer, the the progressor. rookies and pros. Yes, rookies, rookies and, pros. and pros. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Uh, I think they've they've done a good job of matching up the rookies and pros, um, and it does feel like that show's going to be really fun, really fresh, and a genuine chance to kind of launch a guy from, well, maybe not obscurity, because I think there's a decent chance someone like OJMO wins that, but a guy, a real chance to get a guy to the next level, and yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I always thought they've never really used the natural progression series to its fullest extent. Like, it has always sort of been an also-ran thing on their shows, just chuck another match on there. Um, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the qualifying matches for them have felt really unimportant. Yeah, hopefully the main matches on this this what, this full-on show will feel a lot more important than anything it's a good they've lineup. previously done before. It is a good lineup. What uh, venue are they doing it in? A uh, lecture boring. Oh, okay. So it's like the full-on chapter treatment. Because obviously they did, I, they did the. I'm not sure if it was a natural progression series officially, but they did that women's tournament in the dome, and that was quite a fun show. Uh, was that Revelations of Divine? Something? Yeah, I've forgotten what it's. Yeah, Revelations of Divine Love. Yeah, that was a good show actually. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. So if it's something like that. But with even even bigger treatment in the ballroom, um, and obviously, like with the Jim Smallman announcement, it does kind of place more importance on those progress chapter shows now because it's sort of like your last chance to see Jim before he's on. <laughs> I think unboxing UK. Will, will sell. <laughs> yeah, the strongly. unboxing will be like seconds, like previously, and that'll be <laughs> the last time that ever happens for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it should be a good atmosphere and. There's a there's a bit of an energy, a bit of a buzz around progress right now. Probably more than any other promotion in Britress, uh, apart from like the Eve uh contract union stuff. Um actually, like creative wise, I would say yeah. 
we've just talked about some some big matches there. The Paul Robinson promo did the rounds, and that was very impassioned. So they've got a bit of momentum going, and they can sort of carry that through to to Jim's last few shows. They they have always got some stuff going on that, that's kind of okay. It's just it used to be a lot more. They used to be a lot uh, a lot stronger, top to bottom. So there'd be three or four matches on a card that you'd be really excited about, like every card. And now it's more a case of you, you, you'll get one or two and you're kind of happy with the one or two. But eh, it is what it is. I, I prefer to be optimistic. So y- you never know. It You might get... Uh, unboxing is going to be fun, I think. Uh, it'll be really emotional. Uh, it'll be a good watch. I'd like to go, whether I'll get the chance to or not, I don't know. But um, after that, it's basically a different company. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what January brings, which in itself is, you know, a whole, a whole new world. It's That's interesting in, in of itself, just to see what is different. Questions? Let's do some questions. So, uh, Arm put this tweet out, and I retweeted it from the BritRest account, so whenever we do record, which, you know, you have to guess when it's going to be, because we don't know until it actually happens, usually, um, we will put out a call for questions, and you can ask, and we will, in general, answer any that get asked. Uh, so, Akil, Akil Khalid, why don't people text him back? Oh, yeah, because I haven't got your phone number. You don't give your phone number to anyone. Uh, so you only ever get DMs on, on the Twitter, and we talk all the time. So what? <laughs> so some deeply personal beef going down. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> no beef. <laughs> Little bit a close personal friend there. of mine. <laughs> I like I like us turning into Britress agony aunts or agony uncles. I think that's a, but a literally good Akil just ne- never gives his phone number to anyone. He told me he'd live with people. Uh, when he was at uni, and nobody knew what his phone number was, and that's why nobody texts you. (laughs) At the Ian Hamilton. The build to Alexandra Palace next month. Why? Um, Don't know how to answer that one. Well, we've been pretty positive about progress just now, actually. So, I guess, uh, yeah, like with the Paul Robinson-David Starr match, that has some buzz going into it. And then the winner of that face is Walter. So I don't know. At least the main event, the build is okay. <laughs> it it does feel a little bit underdeveloped uh, compared to like previous years when they. But then we've also had an issue with that because they've started uh, months in advance and gone like, "Oh, this is going to be the main event like three months from now," and then you get three months of of bullshit finishes and yes. but instead of doing that it's, they've just kind of done nothing and then the build's going to be late I guess in so. the interests of equality there's no build for Royal Quest either so oh absolutely not but then you won't you can't it's G1 yeah that's just the way it works for yeah. them the G1 is the build um OJMO and Michael Oko Michael Oku, easy for me to say. Uh, what's up with that from uh, Alex? Uh, my understanding is it's just like Michael Oku was kind of the name he did as like a for the contenders division in Rev Pro, and that's kind of his what he goes with in the places where he's going more straight laced. 
um, less it, like... It is his name, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what the <laughs> MO the... stands for, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't actually remember I'm not what sure OJ what the stands OJ stands for. Stands yeah, for. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us do, apparently. Um... <laughs> no, I can't help either. Orange Julius. I think in the long run, he probably would benefit from narrowing it down to his one name everywhere, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Everyone knows it's him. Well, the, OJ, the OJMO is his nickname, and then Michael Oku. Uh, is his name? I feel like it's probably the best way of doing it. Um, but yeah, it's not particularly confusing, so just keep doing what you're doing, lad. Um, Captain Mighty Pants, our German friend. WXW themes and the possible fallout. Brackets. Network. Question mark. Have well, any of you guys actually heard the themes? I haven't had a chance yet. I'm going to watch the show they're, on they're Friday. They're not too bad. Like, they're a bit stock footage but, like, they fit the guy as well. Like, there's sort of a... Like, they all sound like they're, you know, produced by the same thing. So there's sort of a... You know, it's not like it's kind of... I can't think of the best words to describe it. But it's there's not, not a, like, a weirdness between... The... <laughs> yeah, there's no weird tribal drums. At I... least not yet. I'm going to have to reserve judgment until I've actually uh, listened to um, the themes on Shortcut to the Top. Uh, I think they've made a mistake. Um, I thought they had a perfectly good way of doing it, which benefited selling tickets to live shows. Because like at the live shows, you get the full experience. You get the themes and everything. It's like... Yeah. Uh, whereas n- nothing can compare to Robot Rock and the Command and Conquer theme when those guys hit and everyone just freaked out <laughs> this this is the sort of energy that led to mike kilby breaking his kneecaps <laughs> like you're not gonna get that with any uh you, you need to have bangers yeah <laughs> in wrestling you need bangers you just need them and part of the reason why progress is is not as good as it used to be is because they've got no bangers anymore yeah because i mean a big part of it just like with smallman and his his vibe and the atmosphere he created is that gig-like atmosphere like you're you're in a, a music venue, you need music and stock footage music, and, and especially if you're doing like a surprise return of a wrestler. It's like when you yeah. remember when uh, Mark Haskins came back, and like his music kicked in, and it was like ding 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 ding, da, 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 and then he walked out on the stage. I was like ah, and it's like you would not get that reaction if like some random stock music kicked in and then like his yeah. name just appeared on the on the screen it's, you get it just the... it it changes the energy of it all completely yeah and yeah like obviously it's good that they won't have to you know edit in music yeah for the it's, vod it's but it's music. not like vod as we've been saying here it isn't the be all end all the be all end all is kind of the live experience but obviously mm. with the change <laughs> In what's going on? Yeah, it's great news for Catcher because it means she has to do less work when she's uh, yeah. editing the shows. And oh yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in their already. shoes doing what was happening previously. But definitely for the live experience, that was so exciting to go over. Yeah, uh, for the weekends and be hearing Robot Rock all weekend, and you know, seeing people break their kneecaps in excitement. <laughs> yeah, I think I... it's a mistake. I do think it's a mistake because. The experience live was different to the experience on VOD for for WXW, and the VOD experience was perfect. It was there was nothing wrong with it. You could watch those shows. You just didn't get entrances. You didn't. That was fine. 
and then like you just got to see the matches and you got I, I to don't the need entrances when I'm watching on VOD to be honest. Like I usually just skip it. them. You don't need <laughs> it. It's fucking stupid. Um whereas like when you're live in the building, the entrances are, are Yeah. Everything. That was why we went. You know? That was it. And now that you take that part away, I think that's a mistake. And I'll, I'll stick to that. I think that is a mistake. But obviously that's you know, Obviously, it changes their workflow for the better, but that's not why they're doing it. Let's face it. No, obviously not, because they are going to go on uh, the WWE network at some point, and they won't allow um, what they had in place before, which is sad. I think all wrestling must be homogenous. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a particularly passionate take about it, um, but. I do think it was because you got no soul, Rob. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think it was a mistake to have the first show of that be a Rumble show because Royal Rumbles <laughs> yeah. are literally all about entrance pops. So to, to, be fair, to I take a lot I of them away, I think they knew that this was going to happen until it happened. Okay, I think this was they, they were told. Okay, so they didn't really have a choice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, next question: Who is the best unsigned wrestler left in the UK, and why is it June Money? Um, David Starr. I feel like my influence has come into play here. <laughs> June Money is very good, but I think David Starr is a little bit better. Yeah, we just have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> Any other shouts you want to throw out? I guess not. OGMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shot. a G-Money guy. I, I love G-Money. Um, Keith Harris has asked, could Daniel McCarby be the next breakout import on the UK scene? Uh, that's the first part of his question. We'll answer that. Uh, I don't personally think so. I think he wrestles a very niche style that uh, won't have widespread appeal. I don't personally enjoy him that much, but I know he does have his devoted fans. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, I obviously, with any opinion, I feel like I won't be. Um, on it your depends what kind of style. Yeah, it depends what kind of style he brings into the the matches when he's working over here, because he has a lot of showy stuff, but he doesn't necessarily want to do that because, like, he, his his uh, bedrock of what he does is technical wrestling, and there is a market for that. I think. Uh, it's just whether he does enough stuff to uh, interest the the casual fans who are there to watch other people. Like I, I would buy a ticket to watch Daniel Maccabi wrestle because what he does is interesting to me. Uh, I, if I could see the ring, if I can see the the mat, which hopefully I will do every time I see him wrestle uh, over the rest of the year, which is going to be at least four times, which is going to be great. Uh, like what he does uh, with Matt wrestling is is phenomenal. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, him as a as a worker. Um, but like I say, like at the end of the day, it's like the impression that you want to create with with the casual fans, and it's like, are they gonna buy into what he does or not? I don't know. But then you can't really betray your roots, and I, I feel like he just needs to. To, to stick to what he's good at and I, I'm sure he'll be fine yeah like 
he, he reminds me a bit of 2015 Thatcher when I was ragging on Thatcher incessantly pre charisma injection. Yeah, but um, Thatcher was great in 2015, and you both <laughs> ignored me, and I was right. Yeah, no, you well, weren't. I mean, There's a reason he changed his whole style. There's a reason he, he changed his whole style. He, he wrestles completely differently now. He wrestles completely differently now. No, he doesn't. Now. He does he's, a, he's a brawler now. <laughs> he wrestles like a brawler now. He was 100% not. He just that isn't getting... No, I'll tell you what, he, he isn't getting booked by Gal Sapolsky. That's the reason why he's good now. Um... But yeah, <laughs> Macab. I I am excited to see him in ambition. <laughs> like, I I, I, I want to say Macabe, but that's not how you say it Macabre. either. That's fine. Like, go, go, go with that. Okay, Macabe. Togi Macabe. <laughs> I'm excited to see him in uh, ambition. Um, like, because obviously, like that is his wheelhouse, and I do think you know, regardless of whether Thatcher changed his style or not, I think there's a chance that uh. Maccabo could get to that level at some point. Um, like he'll figure it out, like what to do with his style, whether to keep it completely within the niche or bust it out a little bit, and maybe he'll just, you know, he 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 will figure it out and impress everybody. I'm sure. I, I feel like he <laughs> like, does more more cool stuff than than Thatcher did four years ago. I think Tim has always been very uh, straightforward and, and basic, but like just doing those basic moves really well. Whereas uh, Maccabi does uh, more complicated stuff, and it's fun. Well, it's fun to me, anyway. I, uh, I like uh, Rob just seething in the background. <laughs> Keith, Keith also... I, I, have, I have no problem with you enjoying him. Um, <laughs> Keith asks, uh, what should be our terms of surrender to the Southern Wrestling Territory? Uh, there shouldn't be none. Uh, we don't need to because be around, no matter right? how bad it gets in the UK scene, we'll always be at least 10 times more relevant than them. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Summer Sizzler build. Uh, is there one? Uh, well, we've got David Starr versus Will Osprey now. I'm um, actually really excited about that. That should be yeah, Osprey's good. Osprey's tweet about That's it gonna be good. kind of got me hyped. Yeah. Like, <laughs> him saying that he's loyal to Andy Q. You know, I can get behind that <laughs> being a, a devout faithful of Quildenism. I, I have my Summer Sizzler ticket in my hand right now. It's uh, it's beautiful. I think the problem with that, the, the problem with Summer Sizzler though, is that it's part of that weekend with Royal Quest, and then also the cockpit show the day after, which I mean may or may not have New Japan guys on. The price of the ticket would suggest it will, um, but let's see. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not going to the cockpit in August. It's just <laughs> It's a busy, busy weekend, and yeah, I can easily see Summer Sizzler getting lost in the shuffle. I mean, obviously the cockpit isn't like any sort of challenge to it. Should be but good obviously, though. Should be with good. Royal Quest is is the focus of that weekend, and if you're if you're only going to go to one show, if you only have the money, if you only have the time to go to one show, it's that one. So I think as cool a match as Star Osprey is. Yeah, I'm kind of overlooking it already. <laughs> I think if anything, it's going to be the other way around. I think a lot of people are going to be traveling in for Royal Quest, and while they're there, they're going to go to Summer Sizzler. Like that's what I'm doing. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily have come. Ah, actually, with Star Osprey, I probably would have. But uh, I was on the fence until. Well, I'm usually on the fence with um, your call shows these days. Um, I do love. I do love a Sizzler though. I I don't think I've missed one since the the. the first one i went to where i got to meet strigger i think that's sizzler where is where everything happens it's obviously yeah. 
where me and Rob saw the birth of Will Ospreay's and Jake McCluskey. <laughs> Jake McCluskey. S- and Sizzler's the one. Like, that's the, the mania of, of Rev Pro. That's their big show. That was my, my first wrestling show. Well, second wrestling show because yeah, I went it was, to a... It was my first indie wrestling show, Sizzler 14. I've never been to a WWE show, so yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been to a local Milton Keynes show, but I barely consider that a show, so um, that was my first proper show. Um, so that's kind of where it all began for this podcast. Was indeed, was indeed. And then not long after that, it was... Um, what was it? It was, it was meant to be... Ricochet Okada, but it was Aries Okada. <laughs> Aries Okada, yeah. And uh, that was kind of the birth of the podcast because that was where me and Arn started talking without actually managing to see each other. <laughs> yeah, we were both at that show, but like, there was I, no I was phone busy. reception. I, I actually spoke to uh, Chris Line at that show and, and forgot, and then kind of reintroduced myself to him like two years later. <laughs> 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 And I've been to shows with them like 10 years before that as well. So mm-hmm. uh, It's a good time. I'm and the then finally from at No More Mutants, uh, which has done more damage to the UK scene, NXT UK or that junior music video? I actually haven't seen the junior music video, so I don't know what he's talking about. It's wrestlers lip syncing to their song in very a very corny way. <laughs> Yikes. It, yeah, it's not, it, I mean, it's not like they've done it more tastefully before involving their mates in the YouTube, in the YouTube videos, like, uh, I remember the Nixon Newell one where she was smashing shit up, <laughs> that's a much better way of doing it than just, here is Marty Skrull singing the song. <laughs> but not. I think the most damaging thing is the my t-shirt brand is better than your t-shirt brand feud that Mark Andrews and David Starr have engaged in. Oh, that's exhausting. Um, yeah. I think we're we're about done. Uh, I'm going to tack on at the end like uh, some podcast news, like state of the podcast stuff, um, but I'm not going to make the others sit through uh, me monologuing for a while. So, do you, ha- you guys have any plugs you want to push to before we close up for this part of the podcast? Uh, I'm back on Twitter, Athanavaroli. I had something else to plug as well, but I forgot. <laughs> you can follow me at BritRestRound, and you can I will throw out the call for questions on there. And obviously, we have writings, although a lot less reviews than we used to about European wrestling because uh, there's less worth reviewing um, on voicesofwrestling.com as well as a whole plethora of other podcasts. Uh, I do have a website, but at the moment it's not working. Uh, so you can find me at Arnold Furious on the Twitter. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I will see you on the other side of this stinger where I will talk a little about our schedule going forward. Well, don't talk too much because we're already at like two hours. Uh, it'll end it down. A little bit, not much. Hey, Uh, so as Pasmi just mentioned, I just wanted to take some time to update you guys on the state of the podcast going forward. If you're a long-time listener, you'll know that I usually end off these things by saying something like, 
we'll hopefully be back with another episode in two weeks or whatever time period we're going for at that point then that time will roll around and about 50% of the time there'll be an episode show up and then 50% of the time there won't be um we've tried a bunch of different schedules over the years that we've been doing this and they usually stick around for a few episodes and then you know they start slipping a bit uh there's a number of reasons for that firstly actually scheduling the recordings can be a little tricky uh, arm works in pretty long days at times uh, and then on his off days he's invariably off at live wrestling shows how dare he i know right then on my half i have some really weird sleep schedules over over the time um due to a combination of insomnia and working nights a lot uh so it can be pretty hard to actually pin down a time when all three of us are awake free and able to record um but probably a bigger factor though uh, especially in the last two years or so uh has kind of been a lack of passion um not that we're not passionate about wrestling um more like stuff we're passionate to talk about in the european scene at the moment um i guess we we mentioned it quite a lot in the main section of the podcast but Compared to when the scene was in its prime of like the real boom period, um, there's so much less to sink our teeth into uh, for European wrestling at the moment. I mean, that's not to say there isn't stuff that happens in the scene that gets our juices flowing. Uh, there totally is, but it's just kind of less frequent now. Um, and basically, we don't want to waste your time by releasing a podcast talking about stuff that we're not passionate about, just to meet a schedule that we set for ourselves. Nobody wants to listen to that, really. We know that. Um, and, you know, we don't want to record it if you don't want to listen to it. It's just a waste of everyone's time. Um, because, really, if we're not interested in what we're talking about, we're not going to be interesting. That's, I think that's pretty self-evident, really. Um Obviously, Oli has recently taken a hiatus from wrestling altogether, and he's only just coming back from that. Uh, Arn has been quite open in saying that the majority of his enjoyment from European wrestling at the moment comes from going to these live shows. Um, and there hasn't been a, a huge amount that's really got getting him jazzed um, from the VOD side of things. Uh, he'll, he'll go to a bunch of shows, but if he's not at a show, he's probably not watching it because... Really, there's there's not a lot going on at the moment that makes it feel like appointment viewing. Like, when you can watch the latest progress show, that will be, you know, some solid wrestling, maybe one great match or whatever. Or you have the choice of watching, I don't know, um, the latest New Japan show, which is exciting and has things that hook you. AEW, there's a real sense of growth, that sort of thing. Like, there's just stuff elsewhere that feels so much higher priority to watch than the stuff that European wrestling is putting out at the moment, unfortunately. Um, I'd probably be in a similar position with regards to the live shows in terms of that really being driving my fandom of European wrestling at the moment, but I simply can't get to a lot of shows since most of them take place at weekends. And, you know, I make a living via sports betting and most sports take place at weekends. So I really can't afford to take too many weekends off to go to wrestling. I can't really justify that to myself. 
it never really used to be a problem when British promotions were putting on super compelling products, but WWE has done their very best to limit that, as we've kind of been over in this whole show. Um, OTT has done something to kind of fill that void in recent times, uh, and I think whenever we talk about that, you can kind of hear um, the difference in our interest level uh, and, and our investment and, you know, just how much we care and how much we can really delve in uh, to all the different scenarios that could happen because we're excited. We're excited to watch it and as such, we're excited to talk about it. Um, but again, they've kind of had their own problems with venues and in turn that's kind of led to a, a, the effect of the frequency of their main shows. So there's only, you know, there's only so many uh, podcasts which can record about OTT when they're only running like a big show every month and a half or whatever. Um so yeah, basically the conclusion we've come to is that instead of trying to stick to a strip release schedule, we're just going to like keep recording whenever we can and whenever we've got something we're passionate to talk about. Uh, sometimes that might mean two episodes in a week. Um, sometimes it might mean once a month. Who knows? Um, but we're not going anywhere, though. Uh, I don't want to like... Uh, I realise the, the beginning of this whole spiel might made it sound like we're going to close up the, the podcast. No, that's not really, not the case. Um, without patting ourselves on the back too hard, I think we kind of fill a niche and offer something that isn't really found too many other places, especially with regards to, to British and European wrestling. And I mean, that's not to say there aren't other good Brit rest podcasts or European wrestling podcasts. There, there's a bunch um, off the top of my head. Um just as one example, uh, the Grapple Spotlight guys do a great job um, in kind of a... They, they do a really good job in, in speaking about stuff they're passionate about. Uh, I guess not just in European wrestling, but across the world as well as combining with kind of a... Um, uh, how would I say? Like a travel log experience. I think they, they, they do a great job in putting out a compelling podcast. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just one example. Um... But in general, I feel we cover the scene a lot more critically than many other places do, uh, both in the business sense and, the, you know, this <laughs> the whole first half of this episode, I guess, uh, would be an example of that. But also in the product sense, uh, in terms of, you know, we're not going to just um, just because we're a, a European wrestling podcast and we're friends with a bunch of people involved in European wrestling, you know, we're not going to. We're not going to tell you everything's amazing. You know, there's a bunch of podcasts that will tell you everything's great. Uh, but we're always going to be real with you. You know, hell, <laughs> me especially, will be downright grumpy uh, whenever needed. And, you know, to be fair, probably at times when not needed too. Um, I mean, that's not to say super positivity doesn't have its place. Um, and, you know, of course, those podcasts certainly have their own audience. Um but for me personally, I always prefer to listen to shows where where they view things from a critical lens, because then the things that do get praised mean all the more. Um, that's kind of the sort of podcast I like to listen to, and I know from feedback from, we've had from a lot of you guys, that's, that's what you like about us. So when you know, obviously, we're, <laughs> we're going to stick with what brought us to the table. And we've also kind of got to the point where we've built up a reputation from doing this so long. And, you know, I'd like to think uh, reporting, I wouldn't go as far to call us journalists. I mean, we've done bits of journalism, I'd say, I guess. Um, 
And I think we've done that well enough that nowadays people will come to us, they'll talk to us when they want something, uh, a story going out there. Uh, for example, you know, Arn had um, the guy from Equity UK um, contact him and want to talk about it because, you know, we we have built up that reputation and a reputation we're quite proud of. Um, sometimes wrestlers will come to us when they want to something to get out there without their name attached, sometimes other promoters, etc, etc, etc. And they know we won't burn them as a source. They know we won't bullshit them. They know we won't ignore a story, even if it annoys people we're friends with, um, which is something, you know, a lot of other um, places will do. Um, we won't do that. Um, for example, WXW has been awesome with us over the years. They've given us access for um, like the, their festivals. Uh, they've set up interviews for us. They've invited us to the shows in the first place. Um, that sort of thing. Um, got a lot of love for WXW. Yet we've still talked about stories where I'm sure they'd rather not have had out there. Um, we've probably done some things that have kind of annoyed them in the past, but you know, they they I think they respect us for always being genuine, and you know we we respect them for not like completely cutting us off just for doing that. Of course, um, another example would be. Arn's never hidden. He's a personal friend of Jim Smallman's. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> you know, we've always called out progress, uh, both for the quality of the shows over time uh, or whatever their latest relationship with WWE is, uh, what the whole issues with talent are. Um, you know, obviously, Jim Smallman's pretty closely linked with NXT UK, and I think it's safe to say we're, we're hardly glowing about that whole uh, project. Um so yeah, we're not going to just going to not talk about something just because it will might or will annoy some people we're friends with. In fact, we've got a track record of doing the opposite. Um, it's the phrase of the moment, but you're not just going to co-opt us um, by giving us some tiny pieces of access, like perhaps some of the sites and podcasts will be. Um, Arn's been doing this shit for like two fucking decades now. Um, and he's been telling things straight for every second of that. And, you know, he's not going to change anytime soon. And you guys know me. Uh, you can say a lot of things about me. Uh, but one thing you can't say is that I don't speak my mind. Um, I've made no secret that I don't like the WWE. I hate their product. I hate their predatory business practices. I hate the way they treat talent. I hate the po their politics, etc., etc. Um, but, you know, really across the board of pro wrestling, not just WWE, I'm not going to not give it to you guys straight. Um, it it wouldn't be worth me doing this. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not uncooptable. I'm no saint. There's there's an amount of money that would <laughs> make me compromise my principles. But, you know, in reality, I'm not getting paid that amount. So for the foreseeable, I'm going to be doing this, speaking the truth as I see it. Um, never anything else. If you ever do see the BWR account uh, tweeting out the stock NXT UK tweets that you see all of their talent doing, you can be safe. Um, you can rest safe in knowing that, you know, at least I've, I've made some bank. I've made some serious bank if that ever happens. But obviously it's that's never happening. Um, so, yeah, basically, this was all just like a long rambly way of saying we're going to continue doing the podcast. But the episodes will probably be pretty sporadic and erratic in their release. 
Um, we'll record whenever something comes up that we're passionate to talk about, whenever a story comes up that needs talking about. Um, that's that's the long and short of it. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk again whenever. Peace. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.